Today's going to be a fun show. We're going to talk with the uh, the writer, Sarah Philpot of the Fable King. Deanna at work, she always does the voices. Are you going to do the voices today? For no. Reading? Come on. I don't, st- I don't remember any of the books that I read that I used the voices for. Fine. It's been a long time. <laughs> Sorry. So we found this great little book, friend of mine, told me about his daughter-in-law. And this is great because, you know, when you got an in-law that's all proud of you and puffed up and talks about you, that's pretty good. Oh, well, yeah, for Uh, sure. All my mother-in-law does is give me a hard time. Oh, yeah, (laughs) she does. (laughs) So how long have you been married to Alan's son? Uh, uh, 23 years now. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is Sarah uh, Philpot, by the way. We And and, uh, wanted to make sure we... (laughs) introduce you sometimes i don't introduce deanne i forget you know yeah he does <laughs> it's but, okay uh so 30 30 what years 23 23 okay 23 years yeah you don't look that old what did you guys get married like when you were 10 or <laughs> basically we were 19 uh-huh. oh wow you're really young yeah <laughs> wow so was it was it a big romance did, did you guys uh, meet in high school or what yeah, um, well, we knew each other in high school. We were acquaintances. Um, he was Mr. Popular, knew everybody. I had a huge crush on him, but I was super quiet and I'm very much an introvert. So um, never really <laughs> pursued him. But uh, after we graduated, pretty soon after we graduated, he pursued me. So wow. <laughs> well, that so, was yeah, like we got married pretty quickly. That was like we... Deanne and I. She dumped me once. Oh, my gosh. I, Seriously. I always look for a chance to throw <laughs> he that He always looks for a chance to bring that up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Which just made me pursue her more, you know, a lot later. Yeah. Well, yeah. congratulations on 23 years. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> so when did you, um, when did you, how many kids do you guys have? So we have two um, biological sons. We fostered for about 10 years. And um, in two, 2020, actually, we adopted a little girl through foster care as well. So we are we have three children now. Nice. Oh, wow. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah congratulations. We have seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Between us, I have four. She has three. And then uh, yeah. we grouped them all together. So yeah. Now lumped in there together. <laughs> <laughs> I love big families. I'm one of six kids. Wow. Oh, my husband's one of four. So, yeah, it's I, I enjoy being having big families. So oh, yeah. You're a school teacher? Yes. And I mean, I have been for many years. I'm actually in administration now. I actually teach the teachers. So oh, I'm, cool. yes, I'm still a teacher. But um, the last three years I've been teaching teachers. <laughs> gotcha. Nice. Nice. So then uh, like like Deanne, books have always been important every every year. She always reminds me as I'm getting all the fun, cool things that I think are for the grandkids. She always says, uh, we need a book. We need yeah. to get a book. They have to have a book with what? a present. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I always do that with even baby showers. I would rather give a book than a card. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Did That's you always plan. want to be an author of children's books? Um, no, not like that's not something I, um, really pursued. Actually, I'm sure we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but this really is my story. The, the characters kind of resemble other, um, characters or other family members, but, um, I honestly didn't even realize it till I was going back through the final, 
um, review of the book before we published it, I was like, this, I just wrote my story. Like (laughs) I, I struggled in school and I, um, just didn't really feel very smart. Um, and so I, you know, I just never really thought that I would be able to do something like that. And so, yeah, it was never really on my, on my mind until my son was diagnosed and, um, I, you know, that motherly instinct kicks in and you just want to fight for him and, Mm -hmm. and be like, you can do this. You are smart. You've got, um, you know, lots of potential and God has a plan for you and and all the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at one of my sons, they had told us that, um, early on, I can't remember second, third grade, they wanted him to be tested. And, uh, and I, I was not, I didn't want him to have that on his record because when I, we were growing up, you know, this is because we're grandparents and we're a lot older than you guys. That mm-hmm. You get those things on your record and they like stay there. It almost was the feeling that everybody made you think was that, you know, you're going to be judged because you can't read right or. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you're, mm-hmm. you're labeled throughout your right. school career. So, yeah, it and, happens. And they wanted us to have them tested. And I was. And like, you know, with his mom, I would be like, no, we're going to do this and we're going to get him some extra help and we're going to figure out and I'm going to sit with him every night. And, you know, we're just going to make it something that he can get through without it. And uh, but, you know, today you realize that there's a lot more things that you can do to um, and, and the school systems offer to help everyone be successful. Yeah. OK. Uh, if you don't mind, just hang on a second and we'll be right back. So one of my favorite things was the Jetsons when I was a kid, and they would just like push a button or two, and then all of a sudden there's a hamburger. How yeah. do we get our food? We use Instacart. Really? Yes. Is it like the Jetsons? Mm, kind of, yeah. How does it, that work? I mean, it's an app. You open up the app, and, and the app it has multiple stores, and you can do um, all kinds of shopping in one single order. Okay, so like, so like you go in there and like you look on your just on your phone and you go, D- I want that, I want yeah, this. Yeah, it's great. That works too, and it'll the- save your orders for you. So when you next time you open up the app and you're in a hurry, it'll save your stuff so you can just click, click, click and order it. That all sounds pretty high tech, fancy. I bet they got some kind of little machine that goes, this is what they wanted, this is what they need. No, the shoppers actually hand select your items for you. Well, that's pretty cool. So then they make a look and they go, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to send this guy, you know, this torn up box unless they know you, you know. Just True. Yeah, they'll maybe. Give, they'll give you a good stuff. That's, a, that's how they like to work. And a lot of times you're going to see your order show up in like less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Instacart also can save you some money because they highlight deals. They do. You can buy multiple orders and get a discount. So it's really cool. Follow the link on the show notes. Let's Instacart know that we sent you and help support our show. Yay. Good stuff. So tell me, how do you feel the schools are working with uh, the kids now? Yeah, I think that our school systems are getting so much better uh, nowadays in recognizing a lot of these disabilities. And mm-hmm. so the they're doing a better job educating the teachers as well that to be able to help mm-hmm. uh, students. Right. Uh, you know, overcome these kind of things in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, what oh, yeah. was your son diagnosed with? 
Um, so he was diagnosed with dyslexia, mm-hmm. and there's several different types of dyslexia, and I honestly cannot remember the name of like, the exact kind <laughs> yeah. that mm-hmm. he okay. has, um, but he also had um, dysgraphia, which um, is like the writing, which those kind of go hand in hand. So he, um, he struggled with spelling, and mm-hmm. his handwriting was really poor, um, mm-hmm. but that makes sense. A lot of times they, you know, those do go hand in hand because right. when you're so busy trying to, your brain's trying to decode a word and like get the letters straight. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense that they would have issues with the writing portion as How well. How early can oh, they yeah. find that? Or does that start to show up? How did you notice? Um, so a lot of kids typically when they're really little, they'll, they'll flip letters and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, we usually try to be careful about trying to diagnose anything when they're real early, but once mm-hmm. they start reading, uh, that's when you can kind of start noticing that mm-hmm. there's some things going on there. And, right. uh, even, um, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we adopted a little girl, and she's in kindergarten and just how easily she picks things up compared to both of my boys. I, I didn't have my older one tested, but I would almost be willing to bet money on it that he has some form of dyslexia too, because he struggled as well, just not as bad as my second son. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely saw some things. They just, they struggled picking up their alphabet. They were both, um, you know, one of the last, the last ones in the class to memorize the alphabet. Um, mm-hmm. They struggled to retain and recall information. And so those are kind of some signs, even when I'm working with students, um, I look for those things because they, they usually kind of go hand in hand mm-hmm. uh, with each other. Right. Right. There's a new song out right now. I wonder if she has some form of dyslexia because she skips a couple of letters. <laughs> The That's alphabet. a terrible song. <laughs> we're not even gonna. I just no, we're a not place even. to be able to joke about that. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> it's an awful song. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um. I uh was when you were talking about that, I was thinking about um. I have worked in the field of um autism for the last um I would say, well, eight years. Eight years altogether. I was I worked at Jinx Public Schools. And then I work for a, I currently work for a, a clinic that provides ABA therapy for um, children on the spectrum. So, yeah. So I understand the um, the signs, seeing the signs early on, um, and also, you know, if you people don't choose to get their children diagnosed, but you, um, I mean, you 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 do know that there is something not quite connecting mm-hmm. or not quite right there so uh, yeah definitely a parent knows and my daughter is 26 and she's on the spectrum also so you know i mean there are there are definite signs a a mother's intuition you definitely know something is not is not right so yes absolutely i i'm really glad you said that actually because um i I think it's funny you said you didn't want to um, put your, put you know, label your son. But I kind of had to fight for my son to get uh, paid attention to, in a sense, and mm-hmm. and get, um, you know, an IEP. Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew he needed that extra help. And in the, mm-hmm. you know, in a classroom, it's hard to give him that individual attention like that. Right. And so, um, 
I kind of had to fight for it and, and learn my rights as a parent mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> as yeah. to what I could, you know, do to make sure he was getting service the way he, he should. And so I, mm-hmm. I always encourage parents that, you know, you're, you're, your child's biggest advocate. Mm-hmm. And so if something doesn't feel right, like press in and, and mm-hmm. get it figured out. Right. What, are, what are some of those tips? Because parents listening, you know, may not even know where to start. I'm sure that was probably something for you guys that, you didn't even know where to go or how do you get them to make or pay attention? Yes, um, that's a really good question. I I wouldn't have known had I not been working in the school. Um, I, I hadn't been, I think I was teaching for about three years and um, I was kind of talking to some other teachers about some struggles that my son was going through and they were at a different school than I was at the time. And um, I we had our um, special ed teacher was the one who was telling me, you um, you have the right as a parent to say, I want my child tested and they mm-hmm. have to test your kid. And so right. um, that I went to the school and said, here's why I feel like they need to be or he needs to be tested. And um, mm-hmm. we would look at um, previous test scores and. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times they'll have them go through um, interventions and mm-hmm. if interventions weren't working, then that's usually a red sign, um, a red flag that, you know, it's he there's something else going on there. Mm-hmm. And so those are all things um, I, I would say, like all the things that, you know, you've seen keep record of. And mm-hmm. it, when they do interventions, when they do little benchmarks at school, um, to hold on to that paperwork so mm-hmm. you can go back and be like, look, we're, we're not seeing any gains here. Right. And I, so I first went to, um, the school and, um, they went ahead. I, I brought my information and, mm-hmm. um, they went ahead and, um, did their testing and, um, they, they, at the time, I don't know, honestly, if they can do this or not nowadays or not, but at the time they, the school couldn't diagnose it and say it's, um, dyslexia, but they could mm-hmm. say, yes, there's some discrepancies here. Mm-hmm. They, there is a learning disability. Right. So they were able to get them on an IEP. Um, mm-hmm. and then it was years later. Um, I just was, honestly, I kind of went into this little tailspin of, um, it like, panic emotion <laughs> like all the feelings like I am not doing enough for him mm-hmm. he's not being successful he's not going to be able to read when he grows up and um I I ended up reaching out um to a um, program in Tulsa building all children and they were able to help me and connect me um with a, a psychologist who was able to do the actual testing mm-hmm. and that's how we found out um that he was indeed dyslexic which was great because we I had a lot I had some doctors trying to tell me he was um had ADHD and all of that stuff and we had that tested as well and he did not have that um, and so it, it was, it was just one of those things, like, like you said, there is that like parent intuition mm-hmm. that, you know, something's right. But every time somebody would say it was, it's just ADHD and he needed to be on medicine and he would be fine. I definitely think there's times where that's needed, but for, I just didn't feel like that was it with him. And so, um, anyways, I was really glad to get specifics and know, okay, this mm-hmm. is what the issue is. <laughs> right, right. So, right. um, so, yeah, we're visiting with Sarah Philpot. She's an author of a new book that's been out for a little bit, probably a few months anyway. And, uh, 
it's a really cute children's book that deals with um, talk, talking with, about you know with kids with dyslexia or uh, stuttering habits or other little disorders that might keep them or really hold them back from feeling as confident as all the other kids and uh, we've read through it a few times and it was really kind of fun and real cute and we'll talk more about it in just a minute but the fable king was uh, how long did it take you to decide to do this oh well i um i wrote it so uh, my sister was getting married and my dad and my grandpa were standing in my kitchen right after uh, my son was diagnosed and so i was telling them about these things that I learned from this test. And they're like, oh yeah, that happens to me too. And my grandpa was like, yeah, that that happens to me too. Hmm. And it just really blew me away. Like, oh my gosh, like generations. Like I, I knew that dyslexia was hereditary um, or it could be, um, but just knowing that like my grandpa and my dad, um, nobody in their lives were, were telling them you know, you can, you know, you're smart, your brain just works differently. Mm-hmm. Or you, you know, you have, you know, God given talents, like they just grew up just feeling like they weren't very smart, and they weren't very good at school. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's how it was. And so it just broke my heart. And, and it just made me decide, like, for my son, like, this is not going to be, that's not going to be his story, his mm-hmm. story is, gonna, he's going to know that um, he has a lot to offer the world, and he's going to make a difference in the world. So <laughs> well, it's like, um, uh... that's really what kind of um, it came from, it just kind of, and so the, the older gentleman in the story um, represents my dad, mm-hmm. and then the younger boy represents my son, uh-huh. um, even though my son doesn't have a speech disorder that's the the story kind of grew into that i needed the little boy to have something different (laughs) but the the initial um characters came from them um but just from them seeing that in them and just being like i don't want them to feel like or especially my son even my dad like even though he's you know older now and my grandpa um is you know upper 80s um like I, anybody, I just want them to know that like God doesn't make mistakes and he has a Mm -hmm. plan for each and every one of us. And so there's a reason why, you know, our, our brains may work a little differently and that's okay. I think that's something else is, is it's important to let them know, like, it's okay that our brains work differently and it's okay that we have to learn Mm -hmm. a different way. Um, and so anyway, as I started thinking about that and starting to think about students that I had worked with who I've seen a lot of the same things that I saw in my son, I just grew this passion in me that was like, I need them to know that there's more to them than what they can do in a schoolroom setting. And there's so much more um, that they can offer. Like we all have special gifts and it may not be we may not be really good readers or really good speakers or, you know, singers or what, whatever mm-hmm. the, the gift is that you're comparing yourself to. Mm-hmm. We, we each have something. And sometimes it takes a little bit just to um, figure out what that is. And yeah. so that's where the story um, kind of birthed from. Mm-hmm. And um, so I sat on it for 
a couple years actually. I read it to my my son and my dad, and and then it just sat there. And uh, I read a book called Chase the Lion, um, which basically is a book about chasing dreams that scare you. And the whole time that I was reading. And that book, my book kept coming back to mind. And so that book challenged me to um, go ahead and publish it. And even if nobody ever read it, I was going to take the step and and publish it. So Mm -hmm. um, so I think the time that I actually decided to publish it was and that it was actually published was probably about a, a year but mm-hmm. I had okay. sat on it for a couple of years before that. <laughs> your dad and your grandfather, they probably come from a generation where they, uh, even if they had something, they weren't going to admit it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're sure. There's a stig- there was a stigma, I'm sure, back then. What so. did they do for a living? Um, they both were plumbers, okay. which wow. I think is like fitting. They're very good with their hands mm-hmm. and they... Uh, my son too. That's how he learns. That's how he's able to pick things up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they they're plumbers. They like to work with their hands and do things with their hands. And so, yeah, that's good. yeah. And you know, there's like there's so many different levels of whether it's autism or dyslexia, or uh, you know that that can be diagnosed. I had a son that he's um, extremely intelligent. Always had straight A's in high school, but when he got to college. I think it was the stress of the room that kept him from uh, doing being as successful within and started to work his anxieties. And he ended up getting diagnosed with uh, on the spectrum on a lower level. So they higher level. So they had to give a higher level. Yeah. High functioning. So Mm -hmm. he had to get a little bit more time to do the testing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when he did, it made a whole huge difference in the way his grades ended up. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was good that he pursued those resources and got the help that he needed. So, and if I'd have gave him more time myself, maybe he'd have got his room cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) By the looks of this office, I'm not sure. Hey. (laughs) So, uh, with the Fable King, I like the fact that you know I I knew a guy that stuttered when I went to school. And he, uh, but he was the most beautiful singer. He could sing incredibly. Yeah. I, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like um, musicians and artists, singers mm-hmm. that they're performing. They don't stutter. It's just, it's a seamless, it's a, um, uh, Mel Tillis. Yeah. Sorry, you probably don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was a Katrina Western singer from a long time ago. And he, was it had a hard time, a terrible time with stuttering and but he sang beautiful country and western music. I am not a country and western fan, but I you know, admire the talent. So So are there a couple yeah. of pages from the book that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? You could sure. read Oh, Deanne likes she she reads these books all the time and she won't do it for me, but at school she'll do voices and oh, stuff I like do. that. I, do. I try to talk her into doing the voices, but uh Yeah. <laughs> not not on not on cue. <laughs> so it's yeah. not on, on on demand kind of thing. So <laughs> has to be natural. So um I love rhyming books, so I of course had to make it rhyme because that's just fun, even though it mm-hmm. was a lot harder for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, to come up with rhymes like that. Um, but 
um, I, you know, I just started it with this simple, like once upon a time, um, and I, I kind of feel like that goes into just so much, like, it's just simple, you know? Um, anyways, I'll read the first couple pages and, okay. um, and we'll go from there. Okay. So once upon a time in a small country town lived a funny old man who always wore a frown. He taught all the children how to fish for trout down by the pond where the cattails sprout. Though shy and timid most of the time, he told witty stories with excitement and rhyme. His stories taught lessons and cheered people up. He gave them hope, love, and all things that build up. Since his stories brought joy to everyone in town, no one understood why he always wore a frown. One day, a little boy watched the man with awe as he told his wild stories without a single flaw. The boy bravely asked the man why he seemed so sad, for it made no sense at all with the talent that he had. Is that good? Yeah, that's perfect. We were following along. Yeah, we were kind of watching, you know, the clips maybe. Uh, we'll add that if we ever do it on YouTube or anything. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's really cute. And I really love the drawings. How did you guys come up with the ideas for how you were going to uh, artwork? do the artwork and imagery? So the publishing company that I um, used connected me with uh, the other Sarah, mm -hmm. um, the, my illustrator, and she's from the UK, and it was just really cool. Um, she actually, both of her kids um, struggled with dyslexia as well, oh. and so um, it was just kind of a neat um, partnership. And, um, I just shared with her kind of what I was looking for. I sent her some pictures of my dad and my son, uh, so she could, you know, ha mm -hmm. kind of have an idea of what they look like to, right. to draw her pictures. And then she kind of just came up with the rest. She's very creative. And, um, she like, I don't know if you paid any attention, but there's, um, some little uh, bunnies in each page and they're each doing something different. Right. Yeah. And so that. that's my daughter's favorite part Aww. are the bunnies. Um, <laughs> but like that was all her, that's all her creativity and um, her, her part to the story. So I love that. Nice. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> that's really great. So um, your father-in-law, you know, we, he and I used to do a show called parenting 2000. That's where, he and I met, so we went from, and that was a another wife ago. Okay, yeah, because I'm. He's looking so. at me like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we did that for a little while on a radio station, and uh, it was fun. And he's a neat guy. We had a blast trying to make that work out, but it just didn't fit in everybody's schedule. But uh, this has been a lot of fun creating this and meeting folks like yourself, and uh, seeing that not only your work is helping you do something for yourself, but also reaching out to help others mm -hmm. and then have this yeah. conversation like we had today and open up and tell even more than what's behind the book, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Where can we yeah. find the book? Um, so um, you can find it at um, in most book sites, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, Barnes and Noble okay. is a big one and Amazon. Amazon, actually, I just got up there today just to check mm -hmm. and um, they're actually having a sale on my books. So, oh, okay. We'll put a link um, to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll there. definitely link it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that might be a good place to start. Since, oh, for sure. Since yeah. they're having a sale. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Any other books in the future for you? 
Um, I, you know, I don't know. I think if, um, the Lord lays it on my heart, then I'll, I'll write one, but, um, at, not at the moment. Not at the moment. <laughs> How did it feel to be finished with this one? Did you? Um, it, it was, uh, almost unreal just because this was, um, really hard for me. <laughs> I, this did not come naturally or easy, uh, to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, it's, it's really kind of my story. So, um, insecurity and failure mm-hmm. has always been something I've struggled with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I think I finished it and pushed it off and just kind of like crossed my fingers. Like, I hope somebody buys it. Like if mm-hmm. I can get 100 people to buy it, then I'll be happy. And I've <laughs> right. got more than that by now. Awesome. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that it's kind of like, uh, <clears throat> probably past your, your generations, like a lot of youth today, I say people from 20 to 30 years old, they go into the world with so much, um, you know, they're so afraid to try to do something because everybody's being watched today, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody's being judged by how many friends they have or how mm-hmm. many shares they have or how many likes they have. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's harder to I think it's really harder to step out there and do something like what you did um, because of that. You know, how, how would you feel? And I always tried to encourage my kids to say, well, you know, the first thing is just to feel the accomplishment of completing it. And even when Deanne and I first got together, because she was a stay-at-home mom most of the time, and and uh, my ex-wife was a stay-at-home mom, and I felt that maybe a lot of our issues in our marriage were the fact that she didn't feel like she had something else past being a mom. And as the kids mm-hmm. got older, that that really played on her to the point that she started blaming the relationship. So when Deanne and I were together, I wanted not only that, but I'm a little bit older than her. You know, I might go before she does. And I wanted her to have something so she didn't have to go find some other guy to live in my house, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, right? I, I do. I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom, too, for a long time before I went back to school um, and started teaching. And um, it it is. It's a struggle to feel like you have something to to offer, especially Mm -hmm. when you – I think we all deal with our own kinds of insecurities. Mm -hmm. And so, so, yeah, jumping out there and just trying, that's a huge leap. But I'm learning that – you learn through failure, so mm-hmm. you know that's okay if you fail. Um, and anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, you have to was, go into it knowing that somebody is going to pass judgment you may not be crazy about. And I always yes. tell a story about one time um, years ago. I did stand up and open for a lot of big comedians, and and I one in particular show. I think I opened for Tommy Chong, and. Uh, it was sold out shows whole week and uh one show i felt like everybody laughed at everything i said and it, i just felt so good and i went into the restroom and they couldn't see that i was there and these two guys were talking and one guy said oh that was a lot of fun and the other guy said yeah but i didn't really like that one guy and he was talking about me <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. just that one guy you yeah. know played stuck on in your my head. yeah mm-hmm. stuck in my head to mm-hmm. you know here replay that 25 years later still talking <laughs> yeah, about it still but, talking about it but uh 
so it's it's, it's got to be some you you just have to do it for you mm-hmm. and if yeah. somebody else loves it that's awesome Absolutely. Do it for yourself, though. Mm-hmm. And what, what advice would you give someone that wants to do something like this? I, I you know, I go back to the very beginning of my book. I kind of dedicate it um, to my family. And then I have the, the line, Chase the Lion, underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, from that book that I read, uh, that was just about chasing dreams that scare you. And, you know, I really, really am glad that I did. Um, I had kind of just decided even if it does flop and nobody likes it and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at least my kids got to see me try mm-hmm. and do something that was important to me. And so just being that example to them was kind of my motivation to get over my fear and um, go ahead and chase that lion and <laughs> and do it. So um, my advice would be to chase the lion and um, do what scares you. And how are the kids doing now that have they, they gotten uh, the help they needed to you know, be able to be uh, more aware of how to how to get through what they have with dyslexia? Yeah. Um, so um, my two boys are, are grown and moved out of the house. Uh, and Isaac, the one who was diagnosed, my younger son, um, he he didn't go to college, but we kind of knew that that was not going to be his path. Uh, but he's already like he's such a hard worker and he's already working his way up uh, where he's working and he has a plan for um, how to get um, to the next position, which will be making more than I make with my you know, degree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's doing really great. And I think it just goes back to like what remembering that you don't look the same as other people do in your skills are different. Your gifts are different. And um, to get to where you need to be may look different than mm-hmm. what other people are doing. And so um, he is very successful. And I'm really, really proud of him. And so um, I do I think his his struggles in school ha- helped push him to learn mm-hmm. to be a hard worker and keep trying and not give up. Um, so he's he's become very successful in his young adult life (laughs) nice and you know that's kind of the great thing about the internet now you could find just do a search and you can find people that have those uh you know those those disabilities that that have been extremely successful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes i I, I used to show him those all the time (laughs) (laughs) great definitely we we have uh uh, an acquaintance that Deanne used to work with, or actually was a teacher of her uh, youngest daughter, and he she married a guy who's on the spectrum, mm-hmm. but um, he ended up, you know, and getting an engineering inventor. degree and, and invented mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and, you know, went on to be successful at their own business. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So there's lots of different opportunities, and then there's the, also the other thing that... Uh, you know, you can. You just have to be happy with whatever success you create for yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we talk. I talk about that a lot with the kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Comparison is a is a thief of joy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like our podcast yeah. probably never going to be you know the biggest thing in the world ever, but we have fun with it. 
Yes, we do. Yeah. It's a blast. And I got to know <laughs> my wife. People are little... listening and getting stuff from mm-hmm. it. So yeah. that's what's important. That's right. right. You're right. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, spending the time with us. And so look for The Fable King on Amazon. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure you have a link to it. Oh, yeah. Then... Barnes and Nobles, too. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you. And thank we'll get the you. link up for the thank Amazon. So. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate you all. Yeah, thank you. It was, it was a lot of fun talking and to you. And thanks for listening and staying yeah. with us. Talk thanks to you soon. Listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.